Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. Hey everyone, welcome back to Inside the Ravine, a Dodgers podcast presented by Odyssey Sports. Uh, I'm Josh Schaefer, as always, with Blake Harris. Blake, how you doing today? Doing fantastic, Josh. It's great to finally be back in beautiful LA after being gone for a week in Arizona. Unfortunately, the Ontario rain said, no, you shall not uh, leave the state of California. It would have been ideal if uh, you would have had a road game like down in Tucson. So you actually <laughs> could have made it happen where you could have actually joined the ASU reunion slash Super Bowl trip and actually knocked some work out of it too. But Unfortunately, uh, work is top priority, so you couldn't make the trip, but I'm back and uh, overcoming a slight flu. Luckily, didn't get COVID, but I guess when there's, you know, like 20 million people in one city all at once, you're bound to get something, so we're overcoming it, hence why you're hosting today. Well, you look good, so... Well, thanks, Josh. You look great, too. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, the, the Ontario rain did say you can leave the state of California. We just didn't go to Arizona. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you went we to uh, beautiful games. Nevada. Yeah, beautiful Henderson. I saw you guys posting um, from – you guys went to the Waste Management Open out in Scottsdale, and I saw a couple of the guys posting something like heaven and um, just like so beautiful from like the 16th hole. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm going to post that from Bakersfield. I'm just going to copy and paste all of those, all of those posts and then post my own photo of Bakersfield and throw that in there. Um, But yeah, so you guys, uh, you guys went out to Arizona, not for spring training, uh, unfortunately, but um, do you plan on making a a trip out there during spring training? I'd like to, we'll we'll see what happens. I know pitchers and catchers are finally reporting. I think the first game I want to say is a week from today or a week from tomorrow, I think it might be a Sunday. So the first game's uh, quickly approaching, but we'll see if we're able to make it out. But if not this year, definitely next year. It kind of just snuck up all of a sudden where you're kind of thinking, oh, spring training's a couple months away. I'll get to it. I'll start planning eventually. And then all of a sudden the time comes and, well, you can't really plan now. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But spring training's the absolute best, Josh. And uh, maybe maybe we can make a mop happen, but... Well, just have to wait we to see should, what happens. We should try. We should. I think that'd be fun. We should do a show from out there. You know, I actually never went to a spring training game until we were in college at ASU. Same. It had been that long for me. I didn't go until probably sophomore year of school. Same. Um, and then, obviously, senior year covered spring training, so it was kind of like went straight from like going to one game as a fan to then having to 
to, to cover spring training. So um, it was kind of a learning curve. But anyway, yeah. um, so a little bit of Dodgers news this week. Of course, um, uh, signing a few players to, um, to MLB contracts, including David Peralta. Um, saw him a lot with the Diamondbacks over, over the past handful of years. Alex Reyes. Um, and then uh, <laughs> we get to see Jimmy Nelson uh, sign again with the Dodgers. So, so Blake, three guys. Um, I, I think uh, one that we would probably going to talk about a little bit more than the others, but let's go ahead and start with Jimmy Nelson, considering, um, you know, we get to see him again in, in Dodger blue. Yeah, Jimmy Nelson, this is one that kind of like all of a sudden flew under the radar. I don't think it was even reported until yesterday. And I think the only reason it was reported yesterday was was when all the uh, guys were down there. I think there was a tweet saying, yeah, Jimmy Nelson has a clubhouse in the Dodgers locker room. And myself and I think everyone was like, okay, was there, a, was there any point this offseason in which there was like a tweet that said the Dodgers signed Jimmy Nelson because... If you guys remember, he was on the team technically last year. He was on the 60-day IL, missed the entire year. And then I think he was one of the casualties uh, this offseason. The Dodgers, I think, you know, released him back in November. And then you just didn't really think much of it. And Jimmy Nelson is back. And I guess you could say this is his third stint, Josh, even though he only has a brief sample size with the Dodgers. Last time, last time we saw him was 2021. He was actually pretty pretty good but then he went down with an injury missed the rest of the season like i said missed all of last year i believe he's healthy ready to go for 2023 so i like it it's i think like a contract worth one million dollars with some incentives so if he's able to replicate what he did in 2021 i think this is a fantastic addition to the dodgers bullpen that makes it even stronger yeah you say third stint but but again really if he, from a statistical standpoint, it's really only a second because obviously he didn't play at all last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, back in, back in 2021, he was really good um, through 29 full innings, uh, an ERA below two. Um, so, so he was pretty good for the Dodgers back in 2021. Um, he's going to be 34 now. Um, so when the season comes, so he's 33 right now, um, but about mid season in June, he'll turn 34. Um, but again, he was, he was good for the Dodgers in the past. He could be good again. So I think especially getting him at 1.2 million, um, and then those incentives and those bonuses allow him to make up to four. Um, so obviously that's a pretty team friendly deal too. Um, and, and obviously if it works out close to what happened in 2021, I think it's a steal for the Dodgers. Um, yeah. I was going to say when looking at his numbers as a whole, so he appeared in 28 games back in 2021, 1.86 ERA, incredible 1.89 FIP 0.93 whip and he was averaging 14 strikeouts per nine innings so again small sample size only 29 innings but he was really really good and again if he's able to not exactly replicate that but kind of maybe give the Dodgers a version of that as their fifth or sixth best option in the bullpen for yeah a couple million that's that's a fantastic signing the next signing that the Dodgers made was for pitcher Alex Reyes um, somebody who, again, we, we didn't get to see last year was not on the Dodgers, but we didn't get to see last year. He spent his entire career up to this point as uh, a St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, he's 28 years old. And the last time he pitched was in 2021 and he was an all-star. Josh, would you like to take a guess as to when his last pitch was and who it came against? Well, I have that up. So for the sake of um, for the sake of not just giving it away, I'll go 
with what, what's a fun one? His last pitch would have been 2021. Um, I'm trying to think of something fun. His last pitch was against Madison Bumgarner. That is a great that is a great guess, Josh. But unfortunately, it, that it's is not, not right. correct. That is not correct. His last pitch came in the wild card game against the Dodgers to Chris Taylor. Yes, it did. Tough. Yeah. Welcome Tough. to the Dodgers. I was, I was trying to think of something that would top that, but I have yeah. that in front of me. So, so I was thinking, what would be interesting? Another pitcher? Eh. I think I feel like I dropped the ball. I feel like I couldn't. I I, I should just like. Yeah, that was it. a good you one, Madison. That's a good guess. That. I mean, to be honest, I kind of initially, when I heard the news, forgot that he was the pitcher that allowed that home run to to Chris Taylor. Now, Josh, I like to think I have a pretty solid memory when it comes to, like, the Dodgers and everything, but I couldn't tell you, like, barring it being just something insanely crazy, like, when certain players have certain hits, home runs against certain pitchers, I usually can't remember. Everyone else has this insane memory, like when the Dodgers acquired Chris Martin, I didn't remember that he was the one that allowed that home run to Cody Bellinger in the 2020 NLCS in Game 7. Everyone else remembered instantly off the top of their head, and even with Alex Reyes, I didn't remember initially that he was the one that allowed the home run to Chris Taylor. So when I saw the news, the first thing that pops up is, oh yeah, Alex Reyes gets to make his return to Dodger Stadium, and I was like, oof. So I guess the Dodgers just have a knack for acquiring players that just allow like historic home runs in Dodgers franchise history. So... I guess we'll have to wait and see who the next pitcher that allows a home run to the Dodgers is in the postseason, and there'll be a Dodger in two to three years. Okay, well, well on that, um, you know what, before... Okay, I was going to transition, but before we do that, obviously, um, we'll, we'll touch on Alex Reyes a little bit. Um, like I said, he's he's 28. Um, yeah. He last pitched um, in 2021. Um, obviously, the last pitch he threw was in that wild card, but he was pretty good that season for, for the Cardinals. He, he appeared in... 69 games and and had a very nice era out of the bullpen very nice so um a decent bullpen piece for the dodgers but he hasn't pitched in a while yeah and it looks like he's likely not going to see the field anytime soon i think the latest that i read was that he's probably going to be out until at least the all-star break might come back before then so again this is another move by the dodgers you're getting a guy i i think he has an a pretty interesting contract where i think it's somewhat cheap it's like one or two million but with incentives, it can get up to like a total of $10 million over the next two seasons. But he's still, like you said, only 28 years old. Was an all-star closer the last time we saw him. ERA of 3.24. You know, average 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Had 29 saves, you know, back in 2021. And if you look at his baseball Savant page, he's essentially like 95th percentile or higher. And essentially every main category you can ask for. The only downside to his game, and it's a pretty big downside, Josh, is the fact that he averages six and a half walks per nine innings. I mean, in 72 innings in 2021, he had 52 walks. So essentially, if he's not walking anyone, he is one of the top five like closers in all of baseball. The problem is you're most likely walking if you're facing him. So if the Dodgers are able to get that walk rate down from like six to maybe three or four, which is still not fantastic, but it's cutting it in half. Again, this could be another move for the Dodgers bullpen that turns out to be just an insane, insane addition, especially given the cost at uh, what they got him at. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, it, it's, he's a low-risk, high-reward type type 
player. And that's what you get with Jimmy Nelson. And that's what you get from the next guy that we're going to talk about too. But do you remember what the injury was for him that kept him out all of last season? I do not. I'm sure it's something really interesting though. So, so he was, he had a shoulder injury and that's when like his, um, his game started to dip a little bit in 2021 or in 2020. Um, and then he lost like the closers job, like super late in the season um, just cause his, he had some like lingering thing in his shoulder. And then in the off season, he was like working back from the injury going into last season. And then he had like an MRI to like check up on it or whatever. And then he had like a frayed labrum in his shoulder that required oh. like stem cell, like rearrangement. And that's what kept him out the entire season. Oh. So, so again, he's somebody who hasn't pitched in a while, but he's part of that high reward, low risk kind of, you know, side of, um, you know, the team right now, along with Jimmy Nelson and the next player that the Dodgers signed. Um, and this is one that I thought was super interesting and I've been excited to talk about with you. Um, David Peralta, former Arizona <laughs> Diamondback. Um, <laughs> so he's 35. He's played for nine years. Uh, nine of them. Well, he's appeared in nine seasons with the Diamondbacks, but obviously he played with, with Tampa last year after the trade. But um yeah, so he's a veteran. Um, he's been around for a while, and uh, he's played a lot against the Dodgers. Yeah, Josh, I'm not going to add much because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say because last night we were kind of talking about this, and you were like, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about David Peralta. <laughs> I have things to say about David Peralta, so I'll just turn it over to you because I'm interested to hear what you got to say. Well, here's the thing with, with David Peralta. Um so he was a fan favorite in Arizona. They loved him there. Yeah. And, you know, by proxy, I feel like Dodger fans just didn't like him. Um, now, David Peralta, through nine years with the D-backs and having played a lot against the Dodgers, he's actually had a pretty nice career, too. And I feel like the only thing that makes me go, like, really with the Dodgers in this one is the fact that he's played so much against the Dodgers. Like, that's the only thing that that I kind of get hung up on. I mean, he's a career 280 hitter. Um, he's played in how I mean, he's played in, let's see. He's played in nearly a thousand games and over a thousand games. And I think he's a pretty good addition. Like, I mean, he's 35, sure. But he's another lefty bat for the lineup. He provides a little bit of depth in the outfield, but he's been good in his career. I think that yeah. a lot of people just haven't paid too much attention to him because of the two teams he's been on. And it's because he spent parts of nine seasons with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And um, when he got traded last year, he got traded to the Rays. And I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how good the Rays are at any point ever. There are going to be people on that team that are just automatically overlooked. I mean, look at the team that they had when they went to the World Series against the Dodgers. And I feel like people were learning about half the team during the playoffs, even though they were good all season. So that's just kind of the two teams that he's played on. But I, I mean, he's been really good. He's got a silver slugger award. He's won a gold glove. And, and sure, he's, he's 35 now. But I think he's one of those low risk, high reward players for the Dodgers, too. Yeah, the main reason I think Dodgers fans are so familiar is because I think he was pretty much their best player during that little stretch when the D-backs like got really good and their fan base got kind of annoying. Where they're doing they were doing what the Padres are doing now, where they were trying to turn the Dodgers D-backs into like a rivalry 
And like you said, David Peralta was like loved by D-backs fans. Like when we'd go to games at Arizona State and we'd, you know, go to those cheap D-backs games, like David Peralta was like the guy. Like he would hit third. He'd be the guy that the, you know, announcer would go the craziest for, the fan base would go craziest for. And I was actually looking up his numbers and for some reason I thought he like just mashed against the Dodgers. But his career numbers weren't all that great. Maybe because maybe it's because he had so many games against them, it kind of just evened out. It, it felt like there were so many times when he was just a thorn in the Dodgers' side. But when I got the notification about the signing, we were in the car coming back from the waste management, you know, open, and I was like, "Oh God, David <laughs> Peralta, one year this guy's you know still around." I was like, "I remember he was with the Rays, you know, at the back half of last season." I was like, "All right," I thought his game kind of died off. But I was diving more into this. I was looking into his numbers, Josh. Obviously, his best season came in 2018. He had a career-high 30 home runs. That's when he won a Silver Slugger. He should have been an All-Star. Yeah, I don't know how he wasn't an All-Star that season. I don't know how he wasn't an All-Star. He hit 293 with 30 home runs and 87 RBI. I'm not saying that this is like MVP numbers, but this is certainly good enough to be an All-Star when he was the best player on the D-backs that year. I mean, maybe this is all like... Maybe his numbers are inflated by like second half performance, and I know that the D backs had a really be. good second half that year too. But come on, like, yeah, what are we doing? He was good. What are we doing? The D backs had to have some representative in that 2018 All Star game, so wonder who it was. But yeah, so that was clearly his best year. That's not the hitter the Dodgers are getting. But when you look at his numbers this past season, he was still a pretty solid player, you know, for the D backs and for the Rays last year. Kind of more for the D backs, he was a better player. You know, when he got traded, you know, he had an OPS plus of 118. Once he went to the Rays, OPS plus of only 92. But essentially for the Dodgers, they're going to need two things out of him. They're going to need him to hit against righties, which he was pretty good last season. I believe he had like an OPS plus of 115 or so. So slightly, you know, above league average. So he's a really good hitter against righties. Is likely never going to face lefties because, Josh, I looked into this the other day. He was like one of the worst hitters in baseball against left-handed pitching, so he won't be seeing lefties at all. But defensively, the guy still got it. I mean, obviously, he won a gold glove, what, you know, four, five years ago, something like that. But when looking at his numbers just last year, I'm trying to get up his uh, baseball savant page right now, and he was really, really, really good last year defensively. He was 88th percentile in outs above average, and he was 67th percentile in outfielder jumps, so he's going to go into left field, whenever, you know, there's a righty on the mound, and I think it just makes the Dodgers outfield a whole lot better, and I think this also just adds some more depth to their bench as well, because this is something I've been saying for literally months all offseason, was that the Dodgers bench was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, it was going to look like it was just going to be a bunch of rookies up until a couple weeks ago, so you get a veteran, you get a guy that has put up solid numbers at the plate, he's pretty good against righty still, and he's going to give you above average defense in left field, so for a one-year contract worth, I think, like $6.5 million, I think incentives can take it up to $8 million. I think it's a fantastic signing by the Dodgers. And, you know, if David Peralta's an all-star, that's going to be an even bigger bonus. But he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be that guy the D-backs relied on, you know, so many years ago. He just has to be the number seven, number eight hitter, play gold glove defense, and uh, it's a great move by the Dodgers. Yeah, so, you know, it is low risk high reward but 6.5 million for one year the bonuses could bring it up to above eight but um like i i I like what you said about it being really a depth piece because that's kind of what the dodgers need 
and this isn't like a this isn't like a random you know no disrespect to, to Hanser Alberto we love him but this isn't like a plug and play Hanser Alberto whenever there's an opportunity to like like right. David Peralta is somebody that can come off the bench or you can slot him in that really adds to the depth and is a legitimate major league baseball player um, in a different way a, a legitimate player who's played a ton of games and and it's different from I feel like guys like Hanser or or even or even uh, Albert Pujols where Pujols was somebody like at the end of that season who would come in and would be a great option to just kind of slot in there especially as like a pinch hitter or something but you know, he was kind of, you know, towards the tail end of his career too. But David Peralta, sure, he's 35. He's a veteran. He's been around for a while. But he's had a really good and consistent career too. I mean, he's been really consistent throughout his nine major league seasons. And I think that that's something that bodes really well for the Dodgers going into this year is the consistency, um, the depth that he adds. And sure, you know, you're not going to see him face too many lefties, but he's somebody that can give you reliable defense in the outfield and against right-handed pitching, he can be pretty good too. Um, so uh, before we take a break though, uh, Blake, um, <laughs> I pulled up the 2018 all-star game, which was yes. at Nats park in DC. So the Dodgers had four representatives. Uh, the D-backs had three. Um, Interesting. Before we, before we get the Dodgers, so the D-backs had no starters. Um, they had one position player uh, and two pitchers. Can you guess who those three were? I'm trying to think of the timeline. Goldsch was Goldschmidt still there in 2018 or was he gone? He was. All right, so he was still there. So we need another – again, it's one of those simple things where for some reason you just can never remember. So Goldschmidt was there. So this is 2018. So you said it was, what, one position player and two pitchers? Correct. Boy, I'm sure these are pretty pretty obvious, but I'm absolutely drawn a blank, so I'll immediately turn it over to you. So the position player was Goldie. So Paul Goldschmidt was the one position player from the D-backs. The two pitchers, one – was Zach Granke. Oh, that's the right. The other was Patrick Corbin. Oh, God. Yep. All Back right. when he was good. <laughs> yeah. Can you name the four Dodgers? There was... Four, four Dodgers. So this was 2018. So I think that's when, like... So Kershaw was probably one, I assume. There was one. Unless... So there's one position player who was a starter. There is one position player who was... Uh, who earned a final roster spot. Um... And then there are one, two pitchers. All right, I'm going to go with Kershaw, Kenley, Justin Turner, and I think that's when Matt Kemp might have made. Actually, no. I think, yeah, Matt Kemp, yeah, he did a pretty good first half. I'll go Matt Kemp. So you've got 50% of them. Oh, Matt okay. Kemp was the starter. <laughs> that boy. So Matt Kemp was an all-star that year in 2018 for the Dodgers. You got Kenley Jansen. Kenley was an all-star. The other pitcher is not Clayton Kershaw. Oh, was, was it position, a... The final vote, this is not the Justin Turner year. I will say Trey Turner was a... Oh, wait. Was, I was think, okay. Final All right, let me, let me reel back in. Let me reel back in. I'm going to bring two final more. Okay, we're going to go Yasiel Puig and Hunjin Ryu. No. Oh, boy. You missed out. So, you give up? I give up. The, the last roster spot went to Max Muncy... Oh, that's right. And the last pitcher for the Dodgers was Ross Stripling. Oh, that's right. 
boy. <laughs> Ross Stripling and Matt Kemp were all stars in 2018. Boy, that's right. that. That's I was gonna say that's that's a good way to stump someone because I see. I thought the Matt Kemp would be like the the trick the tricky one because I was like I remember he was good, but I for, I forgot that he started the All Star game because of how good he was. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at the starters for the All Star game and you're like, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No real complaints when you look at the first five and then you look at the bottom four. So Bryce Kemp, Bryce Kemp, Matt Kemp was in there. Bryce Harper was in there, but Matt Kemp, Nick Markakis and Brandon Crawford. Oh were my starters God. in the all-star game. Yachty was uh, on the bench. Buster Posey, real Muto, Votto, Albies, Scooter Jeanette <laughs> was, was an all-star. Eugenio Suarez, Lorenzo Kane, Yelich, and then the pitching staff is pre- pretty good. Oh my God. Mike Fultonevich, Sean Doolittle, DeGrom was in the bullpen. Jeremy Jeffress. Jeremy Jeffress. Um, yeah, there's there are a few all stars here. In the there's some names. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. But I mean, you look at future Dodgers. And and then you've got you've got some good ones. Blake Trinan, um uh Max Scherzer. Obviously, uh Granky was this is post Dodgers for Granky, but Trey Turner was on there. So yeah. Manny Machado there at the end go. of the season, Mookie Betts, and JD Martinez. There you go. A lot of Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot that. of former Dodgers <laughs> on there. Uh, one final thing, Josh. I just want to quickly add before we uh, wrap this up and you send us to break. I looked up David Peralta's first half last season with the D-backs. So this was essentially up until the All Star break. He had 11 home runs, had an OPS of 800, and a WRC plus of 117. So just last year, up until the All Star break, he was you know not all, not an All Star caliber player. But posting a WRC plus of nearly 120, you're getting close to potential All Star consideration. And 11 home runs. I mean, he was on pace to hit 20 home runs that season, so he clearly still has it. Maybe we get that David Peralta this year. Yeah, we'll see what Freight Train and uh, Alex Reyes and Jimmy Nelson can can bring for the Dodgers this year. But we will uh, take a quick break and then be back with some more Dodgers news. All right, Blake, so we've got some of the signings down, and uh, now time to uh, talk about some some more Dodgers news that came out really within the last week or so. Um, you and I actually did a Dodger Stadium tour last week. Um, and Which, uh, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. How awesome that was. So first off, for those out there that have yet to take the Dodger Stadium tour, make sure you do so. But two, if you're taking the Dodger Stadium tour, do whatever you can to get Josh as your tour guide. Not me. Now, I was going to say, now, Josh, unfortunately, you don't have enough time in your hands to work the Dodger Stadium tour. So when you ask for Josh, you're not going to be getting this Josh. You're going to be getting no. an even better Josh that gave one hell of a tour. I mean, sure. it was it was an insane tour. I've done the tour in the past. It was years and years ago. Unfortunately, there was like some high school showcase going on on the field. So we couldn't go on the field. We couldn't go into the dugout. But Josh, I'll just say tour guy Josh, he said, you know what, we can't do that. 
why don't I uh, add something to the tour? So he took us down pretty much into like the old visitors clubhouse where he said no one ever gets to see pretty much essentially. They just keep this to have it look cool. We went down like these old hallways that he said essentially only visiting players get to go down. We got to go into the visiting bullpen. That was really pretty cool. We got to tour pretty much everywhere else in the entire stadium. So shout out to tour guy Josh for making all that kind of stuff happen. And Josh, again, we talk about knowing our stuff when it comes to the Dodgers and the history of the Dodgers. He knew pretty much anything and everything there was about the Dodgers. No matter what you asked him, he seemed to have an answer for. Yeah, he he was super informative. He was he was really fun to talk to, and it was great because, um, you know, and, and I told him this afterwards. I feel like I know a lot about the Dodgers, just in general. And then I yeah. feel like you know even more about the Dodgers. But then I feel like he completely blew you out of the water, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it was – it was crazy, and, and, and the stuff that he knew and, and the cool things we got to see in the ballpark. And, of course, some of those things are, are, are things that you've seen before. I mean, we went to um, – when you go into the press box, for, for anybody that has been up to that suite level at Dodger Stadium, um, so behind home plate, you obviously can't see home plate, but you're inside in this room with high ceilings, and um, basically the suite, like the premium level, is on either side. But you can still access the area that would be basically behind home plate – or the entrance to the press boxes, anybody can go in there. Um, so you've probably been in there, looked around, seen a bunch of the cool stuff that they have in there, and then really not noticed what some of it is. Um, and and that was cool to, to kind of have him, you know, showcase that to us. So so it was really neat. Um, going down into the visitor's bullpen was awesome. Um, and the, the sun was setting while we were there. And that's uh, the last place in the ballpark that has to fight with the sun. So that's why it's the visitor's bullpen. So it was cool uh, going down and seeing a bunch of stuff like that. I actually got that right. He asked why uh, he asked why we thought that, yeah. that the bullpen was right there. And I took a wild guess because I thought, wow, the sun is really bright right now. So um, so there you go. But, yeah, it was a great time. So if you get a chance to take the Dodger Stadium tour, um, the, the guys from inside the ravine, Definitely recommend it. Tell them we sent yeah. you. They won't know yeah. what that means, probably. Josh will, yeah. but... Yeah, when you go to the ticket booth, say, Inside the Ravine sent us, we want Josh. And if they exactly. say, Josh isn't working today, then you leave, and you leave. find out when Josh is working, yes. and you make sure that uh, he's your tour guide. But then also tell him me. that uh, tell him Blake and Josh sent you as well. He'll understand it, but yeah. uh, no, most no likely... No one else will have any idea what you're talking about, but... Yeah, so when you pull in, when you pull into the Dodger City and parking lot, and the guy asks you, you know, what are you here for? Like, don't tell him Blake and Josh sent you, because then he'll probably turn you around. So hold off on that. But once you see Josh, you let him know. There you go. Again, not me. Um, so yes. what? Anyway, the news that we were talking about: uh, Fernando Valenzuela will get uh, his uh, jersey retired uh, by the Dodgers. Something that has been a long time coming, and I I, I know that. I know that Dodger fans have a knack for complaining when guys don't get their jerseys retired. I mean, it took Gil Hodges, what, 50, 60 years to get his jersey retired, which it finally was yeah. last year. But, of course, the Dodgers have that that Hall of Fame rule. But this year, uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Um, and so that's something that's really cool. Yeah, so for those quickly that don't know, like, the rules behind it, the Dodgers do have a rule where they only retire a player's number if they go into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. So yeah, like last year, Gil Hodges got his number retired because he finally went into the Hall of Fame, having last played for the Dodgers in, I think, 1962. So literally 60 years after he suited up for the Dodgers, he finally got his number retired. And, you know, this has been something that fans have been calling for for decades because 
Josh, ever since Fernando left the Dodgers, I believe like in 1991, no player has even worn number 34 for the Dodgers. So it's not like with Gil Hodges, number 14 was still worn by a bunch of players. The number was essentially already retired. They just couldn't officially do it. And everyone said, you got to make an exception. You got to make an exception. I know the circumstances are different, but the Dodgers had made an exception decades, decades prior. Jim Gilliam, he was a player. He was a coach. Unfortunately, he passed away before the World Series in 1978. So the Dodgers opted to retire his number 19. So clearly, you know, they showed that they can do it. And the fact that it took them, you know, 30 years to get it done, way too long but the fact that it's finally happening is fantastic news and they're going to make it like a three-day weekend when they retire his number i think he's getting his jersey retired on like a friday night saturday night's like a bobblehead it's going to be like a ceremony and then sunday i think they're doing like a 1981 world series kind of tribute something like that so long overdue for the dodgers uh, it's great that he's finally getting his number retired because he's probably not one of the five best players you know in dodgers history but outside of Jackie Robinson, you can make the case he's the most influential player in especially L.A. Dodgers history and probably one of the more influential players in baseball history, you know, over the last 30 or 40 years. Unfortunately, you and I, Josh, weren't weren't around quite yet when Fernando Mania was going down. But based on everything you've heard and everything that's been said, you know, he essentially changed the game in Los Angeles. And because of that, you know, I, I thought he was more than deserving and he's, a, you know, he's a fan favorite as well. So finally, the Dodgers make the right move. And it's I'm interested to see Josh, because I don't know if when we were on the tour, if you noticed by adding Gil Hodge's number this past year, you know, recently they added Vin, Vin Scully and Jaime Herrin's microphones that a uh, ring of honor. It's getting a little tight. So yeah. I don't know if they're going to have to uh, make the ring smaller, if they're going to have to move them somewhere. But by adding another number, uh, it's going to be pretty crowded out there. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, and But but rightfully so. And, and you know, it, it's great to see them finally do that for Fernando, who, who had such an impact here too um, on the team, but then also, you know, in Los Angeles as a whole. Um, so, you know, great to, great to finally see the number go up for him. Obviously he's still involved with the organization, which is great. Um, so I think that's one way they can get away with also having a full weekend kind of for it, because it's not like right. we got to have this guy back in town and we got to keep him here for three days, but he's going to be there anyway. So, so that's, what's really cool. And I like that it took so long and I feel like the Dodgers know that. So the fact that Fernando is still around, um, the organization, why not go all in and and do a full you know series of of Fernando Mania and bring it back? Where last year you know I was at the Gil Hodges game and it's tough because it's been so long with Gil Hodges. He obviously has has since passed away. So you've just got people that are still down the family lineage for for Gil yeah. Hodges that are out here um, to kind of represent him and honor him at his um, jersey retirement for the Dodgers, which was awesome. But the fact that Fernando is still here and still living in LA and still a part of the organization, they kind of get to maximize that opportunity to really, you know, honor him um, with his Jersey retirement. And obviously he was, he had such a big impact um, in the city of LA. And like you said, he, he's kind of up there, maybe not with the game as a whole, like, like Jackie impacted it, but the way that he impacted the Dodgers being um, kind of that, um, with with such a big uh, Latino and Hispanic population in the city, the fact that they kind of had um, Fernando 
um, with the Dodgers and the fact that they had somebody who could could reach out to the community in that way. Um, so so I think that that's really cool. And finally, you get to see his 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 number retired. It's pretty crazy how up until last year we had like never seen a retirement ceremony by the Dodgers. I think technically, like, I know in 1998, I think that's when they retired Tommy's number, and I think they retired Don Sutton's number, but either at that time, you weren't around yet, and I was, like, one and a half or two years old, so we don't count those. So the fact that we're getting retirement ceremonies in back-to-back years is pretty cool, and it's probably not going to be too long until we get another one from uh, Clayton Kershaw, probably five or six years down the road, so... Got, got a few more of those coming. My favorite's going to be when they retire uh, Dave Roberts' number one day if he wins another World Series. So all the people that like to clown on Dave Roberts, well, when that number 30's retired, he'll have the last laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously we don't have any jersey retire- any other jersey retirements to talk about, but um, two players or two former players are also um, being inducted into the Dodgers or the Legends of Dodger Baseball um, this season, and it's uh, Manny Moda and Oral Hershiser. Uh, they join uh, five other the five current members: uh, Fernando, Steve Garvey, Don Newcomb, Maury Wills, and Kirk Gibson. So um, two more people who are involved with the organization already and being honored for for their contributions not just to the game um for the dodgers but um to the organization as a whole so i i wonder i was actually just thinking about this i wonder if they take fernando out of the legends of dodger baseball because the whole reason the legends of dodger baseball was created was essentially all the guys that didn't make it into the hall of fame they can't have their number retired they're going to add them to the Legends of Dodger Baseball where they could get their proper recognition. Well, now Fernando, well, he's going to be in both. But like you mentioned, some pretty good names are already, you know, in that list. Oral Hershiser, just getting his uh, his numbers up here, Josh. A Cy Young Award winner, 1988 World Series, Silver Slugger, you know, what do you got here? World Series MVP, NLCS MVP, Gold Glove, three-time All-Star. Dude was... One of the best pitchers in baseball for a pretty solid stretch. I mean, just this stretch here, Josh, from like 1985 through when the Dodgers won the World Series in 1989. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers. Probably you can make the case the best pitcher in all of baseball. When you think of the 1988 World Series, I know everyone thinks of Kurt Gibson, but Oral Hershiser, excuse me, was a unit. He was a unit during that World Series run. Yeah, he he was. You you go back and you watch those those clips and and then you because you know so on on Sportsnet LA they always have those old games running or the specials running and it is crazy to and I did this a lot during COVID when there's not much going on and before the Dodgers game would start you're just so the Dodgers are starting at what seven. And you're like, oh, it's only two o'clock. Okay, great. What am I going to do up until the time the Dodgers start when there's nothing else to do? So you just turn on Sportsnet LA and you watch one of the old games. And sure, it's one of the one of the old games from that run and, and Oral's pitching and he's just dominating guys, um, which is so funny because you look back to the, the way that um, the uniforms were when he was around and kind of just the game as a whole. And it's funny to see somebody so tall and lanky as him just throwing gas and and just embarrassing dudes so um i've always enjoyed that um and then of course you've got manny moda who's 
um, who's a former outfielder with the organization for what, 12 seasons he was there um, and then was a coach for a while and then now is back kind of, you know, around, you know, the organization a little bit too. So, um, or, uh, or Jose is around the organization a little bit. Um, and then Manny has kind of been around as well. He was a coach for, for a couple of years. Um, so really cool to see him being honored as well um, for, for somebody that, um had such a big impact for the Dodgers back between what, like 69 and 81 or 82 um, yeah. or something like that. And um, he actually came over with Maury Wills too. So um, in a trade. So, so I think that that's, that's really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he what played 13 years, you know, with the Dodgers and he's pretty much been involved in the organization ever since. I mean, he still like goes to almost every game. I can't remember if he like still officially has some sort of title if he's like still technically employed by the Dodgers, but like he's been one of those guys that just, you know, hangs around, is still impacting the team like on a day-to-day, a year-to-year basis. So again, the numbers, you know, they're not necessarily worthy of, like you said, getting into the Hall of Fame. Even his numbers aren't top 15, maybe top 20 at all in Dodgers history. But when you think of, you know, Dodgers greats, Manny Mota is one that comes to mind. So I'm, I'm glad the Dodgers... They discovered this way to, again, if they're not retiring guys' numbers, they're finding ways where they can honor them for a night. They could be in this Legends of Dodger baseball thing, and uh, I think they knocked it out with these two. I'm shocked that maybe they haven't added a third yet, because I know usually every year I think they have three, so maybe they'll add a third later on, but we'll have to wait and see. It'll, it's going to be kind of fun in like 20, 30, 40 years from now when it's like, oh, Dodgers announced Chris Taylor is added to Legends of Dodger baseball, where it's like, ah. Uh, See, uh, kids, that was that my guy back back in my day. <laughs> Hello, fellow youngsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he was uh, one of the the Spanish broadcasters for the Dodgers too. I think he started doing that back in 2014. Well, with um, what with with Sportsnet because he he was doing games on Prime Ticket on the Spanish broadcast. Um, Throwback to the old prime ticket days. I still got that theme song rattling around in my head too. So, um, hey man, yeah, that's that's when we had what Steve Lyons and, uh, and yeah. The the my favorite part, and this is like totally just off topic, is on like NBA Twitter and NBA Instagram. Everyone is in love with the Charlotte Hornets broadcaster because this guy goes absolutely insane on every random, just uh, like basic call play and play up that happens. In the second quarter, and I'm just like. Remember when that guy was the Dodgers play-by-play guy like 10, 15 years ago when they were doing road games when Vince stopped doing them and he was like pretty mellow? I remember he had like a few pretty kind of insane calls, but like, I guess you're a lot more tame doing baseball, but I'm like, this is the same guy that the Dodgers were kind of grooming to take over the reins and instead they said, all right, go call Charlotte Hornets basketball. We'll bring in Joe Davis. Yeah. Who, who is it now? It's, uh, oh, Eric Collins. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, Eric Collins. Um, yeah, I forgot about that too. I totally, totally forgot about that. Um, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, prime ticket, man. You know, Good sometimes times. when I'm doing prep for games, I'll just put on like random music in the background, and um, sometimes I'll just put on like sports music and just theme songs for different networks, just rolling around and around and around. So sometimes I get lost in that, and then go back and be like, oh man, this takes me back to watching a USC. San Jose State football game in 2009. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah so, so so Petros on the call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Petros Papadakis. Yeah, um, you guys are pretty good friends, um, right? No, sure. <laughs> I just feel like. You oh no, we're not. <laughs> I wish I was. I want to be friends with him. You guys, you guys seem like you would be great friends. Um, so the Dodgers, obviously Fernando, and then Manny Moto and Oral Hershiser. That's always great to see. But um, before we wrap up the show, Blake, um, we, you know when we get close to to spring training, um, it would be a crime not to go and provide in depth knowledge um, and yes. some hardcore reporting on the Dodgers non roster invitees. Um, so we we have the list uh, in front of us, or at least I have it we in front do. of mine. Um, who kind of stands out for you on the on the non-roster invitees? Maybe give me one that's an obvious one and one that's not so obvious. Yeah, so I, I loaded up the page, and I kind of want to go down the list, talk about some of these guys. We'll start at the pitchers. Going down, I mean, obviously, a lot of these names, unless you're like a hardcore, hardcore baseball fan, you're not going to recognize a whole bunch. Obviously, the, the few that stand out are Bobby Miller and... Gavin Stone. These are the Dodgers' top two pitching prospects. They're not going to make the opening day roster, barring injuries to the starting rotation. But I'm very interested to see how they look facing, you know, some major league talent because they're going to make an impact at some point in 2023. It's just a matter of when. So those are two guys I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I think those are two that that stand out um, because they are players that I think obviously will at some point not be non-roster invitees, especially um, somebody like Bobby Miller, who I think we've talked about a lot um, and Dodger fans are really excited to see. Um, I'm going to go away from some of the younger guys, actually. Um, Adam Kolarik is is on that list as well. Um, And and obviously, we've seen him before. Um, Of course, I would be remiss if we did not bring up Dodgers legend Jake Reed, um, who yes. who we've talked about him before on the show. Um, he's a fun one. Uh, earlier this year, we did briefly touch on uh, both Jason Hayward and Steven Duggar are, are with the Dodgers this year too, non-roster invitees. Um, and then, of course, I have to bring up Pat Mazika. Um, so Pat Mazika, um, he came over with the Mets. Um, I... I need to – so don't don't quote me on this. Don't quote me on this. I believe he's like the first player in Major League history to have like multiple RBIs before he records his debut or his first hit or something like that. I, I can't – or no, no. He's the first player in Major League Baseball to have multiple walk-offs without registering a hit. Like he had – interesting. He had an error. He had a fielder's choice. He had like a sack fly, like three games in a row or something <laughs> like that for the Mets a couple of years ago. Um, and also he's he's one of the hatters from Stetson University. And in 2014, he was a Chatham A. So um, there so it Pat is. Mazzica. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was like, OK, when me did when you said the name, I'm like, he's definitely a Chatham A. But then you go off on this thing about how he set some record. He was like a first. I'm like, all right, maybe Josh just somehow discovered this when looking up stuff on Twitter and he thought it'd be a cool nugget and he's listening all this stuff off. And then there it comes at the very end. He was a chat. <laughs> Josh, how do you even know he was a chat? M a like how? Cause you said what? 2014. See 2014 chat. M a 2013. He actually played for, but that's not important. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so look, 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 we would have, I want to say the fourth inning or, or the, the top of the fifth when we were doing the games, 
top of the fifth was like our out of town scoreboard when we would hit up like all the different teams in our league and like what was going on. Well, the bottom of the fifth was, and eh, maybe it was the fourth, not that it matters, but it was the bottom of the fourth that was our MLB scoreboard. And we wouldn't just do the Dodgers are beating the Giants three to one in the fifth. Uh, the Red Sox beat the Orioles seven nothing. Like we we wouldn't do that. We would sure we would hit the Red Sox because they were relatively close to Cape Cod. There were a lot of Red Sox fans out there. We would also hit the Yankees. Helped that my broadcast partner was a Yankees fan. So if the Yankees were winning, he'd throw the score out there. But we would also go and look and see where all of the Chatham alumni were um, and what they did that night. So that year I was there was like Todd Frazier's last like pretty good year in the bigs. So like Todd Frazier was always in there. Chris Bryant, Evan Longoria, like we would hit all of those guys very early on and be like, Oh, you know, Evan Longoria had a home run and three RBIs tonight, or something like that. And then and we also had a document that we would update throughout the season of every single player that was in major league baseball. Um, and then we would kind of sw- like if somebody got promoted or somebody got called up, we would like add them to the list. Um, so we just continued to update that. And then during COVID, they didn't have any broadcasters that year really um, because there was no season that was played. So one thing that I did was I constantly updated that MLB alumni list for them because obviously COVID that season was so weird. I would update that list and I would send it out and share that document with whoever was still with the team um, so that they always had it. So that's how I became aware of Pat Mazika. And we would do like little, (laughs) like when I was there, we would do like alumni things where we'd like put out on social media, we do like an alumni hit. And I remember there was a walk-off from Pat Mazika that we like edited and made into like something we would use on our broadcast um, for like that date in team history or something like that. And then he made his debut with a walk-off. I believe he, he, he had a, he had a walk-off fielder's choice in his major league debut in like extra innings. So, Pat Mazika. I did Pat not Mazika. think when looking at non-roster invitees, I thought we were going to be talking, you know, in depth on some of these guys. But instead, we're talking about catcher Pat Mazika. Hey, when when he's at the plate, I'll be taking notice. I'll be paying attention. Dodgers need to have a uh, you know third catcher in AAA that they can count on. Maybe it's maybe it's going to be Pat Mazika, Josh. Maybe you know, he'll I'm be telling the you, guy. I'm telling you, Stetson University in Deland, Florida has like a pretty solid list of Major League Baseball alums. That includes Corey Kluber and Jacob deGrom. Like, yeah, there are some That's... good, <laughs> there are some good former Stetson Hatters. So oh, just boy. throwing that out there. We, we, yeah. we used to have, we had a couple of those. Uh, when oh, we were boy. Up there. Not well, Mazzica, obviously, let me let me get us back on track to maybe some players <laughs> who maybe, again, if you want to keep an eye on Pat Mazzica, by all means, go ahead. There, there are a couple other ones I, I briefly want to mention. When looking at the pitchers, one is Nick Nestrini, who was the Dodgers, I think, fourth-round pick in 2021, only 22 years old. He did go to UCLA, Josh, so he already does uh, have that flaw in his game. But he was pretty good last season You know, in the minor league system in 116 innings. Had 169 strikeouts, and there are a lot of you know people out there that like to talk about prospects that think this is a guy that could be a potential top 100 prospect by this time next season. So I'm interested to see how he looks. Another one I'm, I'm pretty interested in, he's not a minor leaguer. He's a guy that's actually been in the big leagues for a handful of years, and that's Jordan Yamamoto. 
Now, he came up with the Marlins in 2019, was pretty solid uh, to begin his career. Then kind of his career didn't really go that great. He was with the Mets in 2021, didn't appear in the big leagues at all in 2022. But early on, this was a guy that a lot of people thought would be a nice young pitcher for the Marlins. So maybe the Dodgers were able to tap into something with him. I mean, I think he's only... 26 years old yeah he's only 26 years old so he's a potentially interesting one to keep an eye on but the the one i'm looking forward to the most josh is going to be the outfield battle because the dodgers still need probably an additional outfielder and they have a number between jason hayward bradley zimmer steven duggar so i think those are going to be three guys that are going to be fighting for spots because we talked about this earlier in the show but Alex Reyes is likely going to miss the first half of the season. So when he's eventually placed on the 60-day IL, there's going to be an open spot on the 40-man roster that I'm pretty sure is going to go to one of these guys. So I know it might not be too exciting to the casual fan, but for those that are deep, deep, deeply invested in you know all things 40-man and all things guys fighting for roster spots, Bradley Zimmer, Steven Duggar, Jason Hayward, the battle between those three, I think, is actually going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and and obviously, Stephen Duggar and Jason Hayward are definitely more uh, recognizable names, too. Um, and Bradley Zimmer, um, what, he's 30? Or, uh, yeah, he's 30 years old. Um, you know, Hayward is, like, 32, 33, and, and Stephen Duggar's, like, 29 or 30 as well. So um, three guys that, that have been around for a while um, and – are all fighting for a roster spot to, to continue, you know, their careers. So I think that that's going to be something that that's interesting to watch too. And, you know, real quick, you mentioned Nick Nestrini um, and you were right. So he's a fourth rounder out of UCLA. Something that I really like about him is in a very short amount of time, he's kind of been everywhere except for OKC in the Dodgers system. So yeah. he started out in Arizona, um, really only appeared in one game. Uh, and then spent some time with Rancho uh, that season after being drafted. So he was drafted, it would have been right before the summer in 2021. Um, so went out to Arizona for a game and then came over to um, SoCal and was playing with the Quakes. Um, and then this past year, spent almost the whole year in Great Lakes, but still um, made uh, his debut for for Tulsa in double-A ball. So we've seen him pretty much everywhere in the Dodgers system, in the minor league system, other than Oklahoma City. Um, and right. he's, been, he's been pretty damn good everywhere he's been, too. And he was really good at UCLA. Um, so interesting to see um, kind of what happens with with Nestrini. He's a guy that so when he was at UCLA, he wasn't phenomenal. Actually, his first year, he was really good. Um, and then his later seasons weren't as good, but he was also really good in summer baseball, too. He was another Cape League guy. He also played in the West Coast League. And that's kind of where I think that the Dodgers like to see his his tools, you know, showcased a little bit more. So we've seen him kind of everywhere. He's a name that definitely falls behind guys like like Gavin Stone and, and Bobby Miller and obviously Ryan Pepio, who, who we've talked to. So um, I, I still think that he's somebody that we could see in the future. And I think probably a full season, maybe at, in, in either double A or triple A would would do wonders for him this year and kind of see where that leads in the future. Yep. So, I mean, like I said, this is going to be a fun spring training just because, one, there's so many decisions that need to happen. I'm sure we'll have an episode in the coming weeks where we talk about, like, the biggest things to watch for spring training. But between all the question marks, all the young guys, 
And all the guys that are going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic that aren't going to be at Camelback, it's going to allow even more playing time for a bunch of these guys. So I know a lot of people, in, in years past, it's like the first week of spring training games, it's always like, oh yeah, this is kind of fun to watch. It's great seeing Dodger baseball again. Then you kind of get a little bored and you're like, all right, I'll kind of tune out and pay attention again in three weeks. But no, it's like this year, you're going to have to watch like every game up until probably the final week of games to kind of see how certain guys are playing, how these veterans are playing, how these rookies are playing, how the pitchers are looking, because there are so many uncertainties with this team as of right now. It's going to be one hell of a spring training that I'm really, really looking forward to this year. Before we wrap up, Blake, we've got a few minutes for some questions. You want me to fire a couple at you? Oh, great. I didn't even bother looking. So if you're saying we got some, uh, we let's got let's some. hear them. Let's hear them. I, I love some. it on this let's end of the Q&A. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll start. Uh, we'll go over to our Twitter questions to start. Uh, Alex wants to know, uh, do you think Max Muncy will return to form in 2023, especially with the help from the shift ban? Uh, 100%. I think we talked about this in our last episode. One of the questions was like, which Dodger that sucked last year do you think is going to be a lot better in 2023? And Max Muncy was like the easy candidate. I mean, in the second half of the season, he was kind of returning to form. He was looking like the Max Muncy of old, and especially now with the shift being out of the way. I think Max Muncy, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP kind of player. But I, I think it's safe to say, Josh, we could put a lot of money down that he is going to be significantly better than he was uh, in 2022. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's something that I briefly touched on before. Um, and when we t look at the Dodgers roster, and I think a lot of people were saying like, oh, well, this guy's leaving and this guy's leaving and this guy's leaving. Is this going to be a rebuilding year? And I think the obvious answer is no. Um, and part of the reason why is because Max Muncy, as we talked about earlier, this show is an all-star just a few years removed. Um, and yeah came through in some big moments last year for the Dodgers, put it together at certain parts and had some really good stretches of the season. But yeah, you know, for the, for the most part, last year was obviously a down year and it has been recently. But again, um, I, I think this could be a big year for him. And especially if you have that yeah. shift ban, things could be uh, a little bit uh, more in his favor. Um, let's see. We've got uh, another one here. Uh, we can keep this one short because it's kind of along the same lines. And we've definitely touched on this before, but no reason to, to skip over it. Um, what role are the Dodgers expecting? Uh, this one's from Steven. What role are the Dodgers expecting Chris Taylor to perform or to play in this year? Is he going to be super utility again, or is he going to be a vital starter? Yeah, I, I think Chris Taylor, when he's at his most valuable, is when he's kind of like a super utility, when you could put him in left field, when you could put him in center field, when you could put him in the infield. You know, Chris Taylor, it was his worst season with the Dodgers last year, but he dealt with, I think, numerous you know, different injuries. It wasn't like one injury kept him out. I think he battled numerous injuries. So if he's able to stay healthy, I think he's going to go back to being that, you know, Swiss army knife kind of option for the Dodgers where you can place him anywhere. You can hit him anywhere in the batting order because I mean, this is a guy when he's right, he is, I mean, he was an all-star just a couple of years ago and that wasn't a fluke. He deserved to be an all-star. So the fact that you have a guy like Chris Taylor, who has shown he's capable of being an all-star caliber player, and he's shown his value. I think, again, just like, you know, with Max Muncy, he, I think he's going to have a bounce back season in 2023. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. And again, like the same thing with Muncie is it's the same kind of impact where, you know, he's only a year or two removed from being an all-star and, and from being one of the Dodgers' most important players. So um, I think that he's going to go back to kind of fill in that role again this year. Uh, Horatio wants to know, uh, how about grading our current roster? One to ten. 10 being the highest for hitting defense, starting pitching and bullpen. And again, you can go over kind of quickly since I guess we don't really know. Right. Also, yeah, I, I just quickly went to look, you know, on Twitter and on Instagram and I, I wasn't expecting this many questions, Josh. I thought we were getting yeah. ready to wrap up the show. So I'm glad you actually went to check and to make sure we got to these questions. Cause I, I always, cause people bring up interesting points that we might not necessarily hit on every episode. So going back to the question, what was it creating our, our current roster one to 10 hitting defense, starting pitching bullpen. I'd say right now, I think they're at about, you know, there's no such thing as a 10. I don't think, you know, any team is perfect. I'll say overall an eight. I think they could use, you know, maybe, one more bat on the bench to add just a little more depth and their starting rotation i think is pretty solid but i definitely think if there's another starter that emerges it could definitely help i'd I'd say the bullpen's a 10 as of right now i think that's the only thing that's perfect for the dodgers but overall i mean i saw some tweet yesterday someone replied to me saying this is a team that's going to win 84 to 88 games they'll be the second wild card like people are going to be shocked when they win probably 95 to 100 games and exceed expectations. So I'll, I'll go 8, 8.5 overall as a team right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm going to go, I'll go with like a seven and a seven point five 7.5 for both bats and for the rotation with the possibility that they can be even better than that. Um, we just don't really know right now. Again, I mean, we have some questions about the starting rotation, but, you know, at face value, looking at it, even when it's not at full strength, I, I look at it and think this could be very, very good. Like there's a there's a I, I, I think that you look at the Dodgers starting rotation and you think that if guys perform to like what they're capable of, they legitimately have a chance to be the best rotation in the division. Like they could yeah. if guys perform. Um, but, yeah, I think the Dodgers starting rotation is perfectly fine. I think the lineup is perfectly fine. And I like what you said, the bullpen, I'm giving it a 10. I think the bullpen looks awesome going into the season it was good last year it was good the year before that so we'll see what we get um this this upcoming season from the bullpen but i like what i see so far um combining our last twitter question with uh with an instagram question we've had a few questions about this um what are the chances um that diego makes the big league roster this season does that impact will smith at all or does will smith impact that and also uh where does bobby miller fit into the mix in that same kind of situation yeah, this is going to be one that I'm sure is going to have Dodger Twitter just going absolutely nuts all season because Diego Cartaya is going to be putting up insane numbers down in the minors, but he still needs more time down there. He did, I think, get to as high as high A this past year, so he's probably going to start the season in double A, has to play there, has to play in triple A. If I were to guess, I only think Diego Cartaya sees big league action if it's in maybe August or September if there's an injury to either Will Smith or Austin Barnes. But for the most part, the Dodgers aren't going to need him just yet. They're not going to want to carry a third catcher. So even though he's going to be putting up insane numbers and Dodger fans are going to be calling for him, I think 2024 is the more likely outcome. But like I said, if there's an injury, I think we see him in 2023. And what was the part you asked about Bobby Miller? Just will Bobby Miller also be be in the mix for the Dodgers at the big league level? 
I think there's a better chance we see him earlier than Kartaya just because there is going to be an injury in the starting rotation. There is going to be someone that goes down and has to miss time. Obviously, Ryan Pepio is a guy that's probably going to be the next man in line. And then maybe guys like Andre Jackson, maybe guys like Landon Knack. But if Bobby Miller is lighting up the stat sheet down in the minors and the Dodgers need a starting pitcher, it seems like he's going to be pretty tough to keep down. So I'm going to say maybe by the All-Star break, after the All-Star break's kind of like a good yeah. guess by then because he, he does need a little more time in AAA. He only made a handful of starts down there. So I'll say All-Star break could be kind of good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Josh, Last how about question. this really quickly, though? I was going to say you've asked the questions. How about I turn it to you for some of the final questions that I'm looking at on Instagram right now? How about we flip the roles here? Sure. And this is a, this is a fun one that I want to get to first and foremost. And it was... Uh, what number? This guy actually comes from a Fight Guy seven two four. What number is Shohei going to wear next year once he's a member of the Dodgers? Now Miguel Vargas did just change his number from seventy one to seventeen. Yeah. So Shohei is going to have to ask Miguel Vargas for that number, which I don't think uh, will be that hard of an ask. No, no, I I, I don't think so either. I'm going to say seventeen though. That's what I'm going to stick with. And uh, no, Miguel Vargas should not be wearing number 71. So, <laughs> so no, it, by all means, change the number. But we'll see uh, if, if Shohei does come next year. I think 17 is the number, right? Yeah, probably. I, I think Miguel Vargas would give that up. Uh, th- we have another question from Fight Guys 724. Will Andrew Friedman give Julio the contract he deserves? And now Julio's a free agent at the end of this year. He's likely going to enter free agency because he has won Scott Boris as his uh, as his agent. I certainly hope so. I, I I really do because I feel like these last couple of years the Dodgers have had big time options and and have chosen to kind of let them go. So I certainly hope that if Julio has another good year, a year just at least similar to last year, I'd I'd like to see how much the Dodgers would be willing to give him. And uh, yeah. honestly, I, I, hope, I hope they do. But obviously, if that impacts the Dodgers getting um, somebody like Shohei Otani, um, then that would be then that would be tough. But again, the Dodgers have had an offseason this year that could even kind of help them prepare for after this season as well. So I, I, I hope so. But but we'll see. Yeah, I hope they're able to bring Julio back just because the impact he's had on this team. The fact that he is like a top five starting pitcher, I think, in all of baseball and I think he's going to be pretty, I'm not going to say he's cheap, but I think whatever contract he signs is going to be somewhat less than what he actually deserves. Like, if we're being real, like, he deserves a contract from two to 250 to 300 million. If he has another good season, you can make the case he deserves 300 million, but he just doesn't seem like the kind of pitcher that would get that. And I don't think he does. I think he maybe gets above 200 million. But then again, his agent is Scott Boris. Stranger things have happened. Josh, one final question, and this comes from Tux728. Agree or disagree, Mookie and Freddie will be top five MVP candidates all year. And then another part two is with Tony Gonsolin and Julio as Cy Young candidates. I'm not going to necessarily agree or disagree. I'm going to say likely versus unlikely. I've got a really good feeling about the first part of that question with with Mookie um, and and, and Freddie Freeman. So I'm going to say that that one is likely. I feel like Freddie's probably got the higher chance just because I think he's a little bit more consistent at the plate. Um, So I think that that's likely. For the second one, I think Tony's going to be a really – I'm going to say that this one's unlikely. Um, 
and only really on 50% of it because I really think that Tony is a good pitcher, and I think the Dodgers are going to rely on him a lot this year, similar to how they did last year. But I think if we're looking at uh, at a Cy Young candidate, I think that we're looking at Julio again. And look, if Julio is a Cy Young candidate this year, then that kind of solidifies what my last point was for the last question, and it's pay him because, again, Julio did not win the Cy Young this year, and I will argue that he should have. I and and the and he's been so good through his career, um, and I think that he's always kind of, something we talked about last season. He's always kind of been overlooked until points last year, where he was better than Kershaw. Kershaw missed some time, and Walker Bueller was out. And finally, Julio was pretty much the number one for the Dodgers. And of course, Tyler Anderson was good, and and um, and Tony Gonsolin was good, and whatever you had really good pitching or pitching from your starting rotation, anyone yeah. who was who was out there for you, but. Um, last year, Julio really was the biggest name on the Dodgers in the Dodgers rotation for a good portion of last season. He should have won the Cy Young, and and you we look back at his numbers from past years, and and he's been really good throughout his career with the Dodgers so far. So if he has another season like that, pay him. And also, I think that he is primed for another really good season. Tony, I think the Dodgers will yeah. rely on him. I just don't think it's going to be exactly the way it went last year. Yeah, uh, Mookie, both Mookie and Freddie were kind of in the top five discussion all last season. And I, I think they'll be in the discussion again this year. Same with Julio, like you said. He's one of the better pitchers. I think he'll be in the discussion. Josh, one final thing, and this is absolutely insane to me. So Tony Gonsolin, we know how good he was this past season for the Dodgers. 16-1, 2.14 ERA, a whip of 0.87, ERA plus of 196. Maybe I just... Didn't pay much attention after I saw Julio finished, I think, third in Cy Young voting, I want to say. Uh, well, let me see if it was really quickly. Yeah, he finished third in Cy Young voting. Tony Gonsolin didn't receive a vote yeah. for the Cy Young at all. He didn't get any Cy Young votes, and I don't know. Not that he needed a first-place vote or a second-place vote, but how does he not get one single vote with I the know. season he put up last? I, I didn't realize that, and that's... That's insane to me. Yeah, it's it's, and, and and I think it's just the name. He's just not the flashy name. Like I'm I'm looking at this right now. Kyle Wright got votes, and again, he had a pretty good season for the Braves. Logan Webb got votes. Ryan Helsley got votes. I mean, among all the players that you know got Cy Young votes, Josh. Tony, let's see, there were 11, 12 players. 12 players in the National League got Cy Young votes. Tony Gonsolin had a higher ERA plus yeah. than 10 of them. So, I don't know. That just that just seems crazy to me. Like, he had a, he had a better he did, ERA he plus he than... He sustained it. He sustained all season. it all season, though. Like, yeah. he was 16-1. and one. He was 16 yeah. and one. His ERA was at 214. His ERA plus was 196. And it, okay, his strikeouts per nine innings were eight, yeah, eight point like, two, and it was an all star. And but still, like, I I'm blown away that he didn't receive a single vote. That's that's just insane to me. Because again, he had a higher ERA plus than Julio. He just yeah. technically didn't he didn't qualify for the number of innings to like win you know the title, but that's insane 
Yeah, but he's like, exactly actually, like maybe he doesn't have the innings, but 130 innings where he sustained that all season long is worth. Something. He would have he would have won the ERA title had he had qualified for Indians because Julio won the ERA title with a 2.16 ERA, and Tony Gonsolin had a 2.14 ERA. 2. Again, 4, I yeah. I I get that Julio you know pitched what 35 more innings, but. What are, what are we doing, man? How do we I like get a vote, we've Josh? Just, we've just taken these takes from past seasons and just argued <laughs> about them today. Like, David Peralta should have been an all-star in 2018 when he was with the Diamondbacks. And now right. we're like, Tony Gonsolin should have got one Cy Young vote. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Cy Young voters, what are we doing here? Like, come on. Like, Logan Webb? Kyle Wright? Like, I know Kyle... Like, I'm pretty sure Kyle Wright, the reason why he was so you know, brought up was because he won 21 games, but like a 319 ERA, 3.58 FIP, 1.16 whip. And this guy's finishing top 10 in Cy Young voting. Like voters, they don't know ball. I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) Well, uh, on that note, I think that's where we're, uh, (laughs) where we're going to wrap it up for, for this episode. Um, so again, you can, uh, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at inside the ravine. Um, t- uh, make sure you, uh, go back and listen to some of our recent episodes and, uh, stay up to date with all the content we're putting out on our social media channels. And you can, uh, listen wherever you get your podcasts, just search inside the ravine presented by, uh, audio or odyssey sports. Uh, you can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake Harris, TBLA. I'm at Josh. No, not, not anymore, yeah. dog. We we've changed the handle. Really? We've changed the handle. Uh, It might have been. I can't remember. But the handle has been officially changed. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake H. Harris. There we go. Blake H. Harris. Yes. What's your middle name again? Umberto or something? (laughs) You were close. It's a Hoherd. Oh, Hoherd. Right. Yes. Why didn't you go Blake Hoherd Harris? Well, unfortunately, Twitter apparently has like a max limit. You can only have a username that's like 15 characters. So Blake Hoherd Harris would have gone a little too over the number. That's tough. Did you know that because you looked and tried or just you already knew that? I tried with uh, another username that didn't work because it was 16 characters. And I was like, dadgummit, what are we doing here? Wow, that's that's something I have not heard in like six years. Yeah. All right. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake H. Harris. I am still at Josh Schaefer 25. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts at Inside the Ravine. As always, we're presented by Odyssey Sports, and we will see you next time. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon uh, with, uh, with another fun episode coming up next week, wherever you may be.